It was raining so hard. Mike yelled, oh my God, there's a tornado. He jumped into the pantry. My stepdad said he saw the windows and the wall just come at him and he jumped in the pantry. And then it was just like a huge amount of pressure in my ears. I didn't hear any noises at all. And then I just felt us like shift multiple times. But then Mike was crying and fully conscious knew that he was going to die. But I could tell by his voice like he was right when he said that. So I just let him know how much I love him. And my son, Bryson, he survived. My daughter, Kinley, did not. My son, Owen, did not. My husband, Mike, didn't. And my mom also didn't. What's up, y'all? Thank you for tuning in to another episode of Dead Talks. Man, was this an emotional roller coaster and at the same time, a very inspirational story. I spoke to a young, powerful woman in the name of Karee who lost nearly her entire family. Her husband, her mom, two young children survived by her eight-year-old son to a catastrophic tornado attack that took place in March 2022 in Iowa. It's inspirational and emotional because her perspective on life When this happened to her, she lost nearly her entire family. It's truly remarkable that she's able to pursue through her life, still raise her eight-year-old son and still have a positive outlook on life. So I hope you enjoy this episode. I hope you listen to the end because it was truly an amazing conversation and uh, it changed my outlook on a lot of things to say the least. And as usual, I want to thank you for your support. If you do like the episode, please consider subscribing, write a review on Apple or Spotify, hopefully a positive five-star review. And I do want to announce that I did launch a Patreon account. I'll put the links in the show notes you can find below. And as most of you know, this is what I want to do for the rest of my life. This is what I want to do. And I have to earn a living. Milk is expensive these days. And I want to offer some value. So for only five bucks a month, that's it. Five bucks a month on the Patreon account. I'll give you exclusive content, early access, some Q&As and live events with past guests and new guests and more opportunities. I'll try to add as much value as I can. So thank you again for being here and I hope you enjoy today's episode. Curry, thank you for hopping on and telling this story that we're about to get into. Obviously, it's a very heavy story. And for those of you that aren't familiar with your story, uh, hopefully I don't say story 12 more times at the beginning of the episode, but uh, I, I, I would love for you to you know explain what happened to you a couple of years ago in your hometown and with the tornado and whatnot and wherever you feel like starting to kind of, you know, set the tone, I would, I'd be honored. So it was actually my parents moved to Iowa to Winterset, Iowa and built a home on some property up there. And so we were just visiting for the weekend and we had taken the kids out of school or no, we just didn't send them to school on Friday. So we to have like a longer weekend with my family. So we went up Friday morning and got there. It's about three hours away from my house. So got there and hung out and played in the woods and did a bunch of fun stuff and and played games that night and cooked dinner together. And then the next day is when it happened. I woke up my mom early. I'm like, you're going to do a workout with me and then we'll have breakfast. So we did that. And then my mom and I were playing a board game at the table and it had been like raining off and on. And our plan was to go see the alpacas and feed them. And the kids like to do that. So we found like a break in the rain, went and fed the alpacas, stopped by the grocery store on the way home. And it was just pouring, like it was raining so hard, but there weren't any like bad weather warnings at that time. It was just, just a storm. And the weird thing is like, before we left the alpaca farm, I had like this really strong 
feeling that I wanted to go to Des Moines and see my aunt's new home. But everybody else was just like, no, let's go back to the house. Let's make food. Let's play games, hang out. And so we did that. And on the way back, Mike was joking, kind of, but kind of serious. He was like, let's stop and have margaritas and then we'll go back to the house after. And I was like, well, they have Bryson, so we need to get back to the house. So we went back to the house and I really don't think we were there that long before we gained the knowledge of the fact that there could be severe weather. So my mom, being like a very prepared person, she was like, well, let's find a spot in the house that we can all go in case we need to. So there were a couple spots that we thought, and we thought the smartest place would be to go would be like under the the huge staircase right in the middle of their house that went from the main floor to the upstairs. And we're like, well, under that staircase, like it's a very strong staircase, like that's going to be the safest place. And I remember there's like parts of it that come to me over time that like I didn't remember before, like just talking about it. I remember there being a bunch of like big cardboard boxes of china because they had just built the house. So they hadn't put everything where it needed to go yet. And at one point, my mom and I were throwing these boxes, her nice china, because she's like, I think this is going to be bad. And we're like, pushing the kids to get further under the stairs so that they're in a safer spot than we are. And I had this blanket that I kind of just like threw over everybody just in case anything. I didn't, I mean, I had no knowledge that it was going to be that big of a tornado. I think if it were a smaller one, what we had done would have been enough. But then Mike and my stepdad were just outside the pantry and you could see all their windows and Mike yelled, oh my God, there's a tornado. And so then I guess at that point he jumped into the pantry. Later on, my stepdad said he saw the windows and the wall just come at him and he jumped in the pantry. And then it was just like a huge amount of pressure in my ears. Like I didn't hear any noises at all. It was just like when you're in an airplane and your ears are just like full, but like times 10. And it just kept getting stronger and stronger. And then I just felt us like shift multiple times. And then when we were done moving, like my first thought was, oh my God, like I am fully aware of what's going on and I'm going to die like this. And I noticed Kinley, it was like her head was in my lap. We were like down in a hole. I have pictures of the hole I can show you that they cut us all out of. But I guess we were all pretty close to each other. And somehow Bryson was underneath all of us, but back closer to where we'd taken cover. And the staircase kind of saved him. So I noticed Kinley in my lap. And I tried with my one hand that I had, um, because my left arm was trapped, tried to pull her up and I couldn't and she wasn't moving or making any noise at all. Her face was away from me. So I just like rubbed her head. And then Owen was just beyond my reach, but he was facing me. And you could see that his eyes were shut and his lip was cut. His upper lip was cut and he wasn't moving or making any noise at all. So I thought he was gone. And then my little brother, Seth, was just to the right of me. And he was sitting like crisscross still. That's how he was when we were in the pantry. And that's how he remained. And actually, just a couple of days ago, Bryson told me that he felt a lot of wind behind him and he grabbed onto Seth's leg and just held on. And then he said he felt something hit him in the head. And then when he woke up, 
he was felt like on the ground, he said, and his legs were cold. So I don't know exactly like where he was. Like I was out of there before he, he was able to get out. But then Mike was crying and fully conscious knew that he was going to die. So that's something hard to think about. But I could tell by his voice, like he was right when he said that. So I just let him know how much I love him. And and that's all I could have done. Then my mom, she landed, she was behind me. Like her chest was on my back and her left arm was over my left shoulder with her phone in it. So her phone was like right in front of me. And she said, use my phone and call 911. So I took her phone and I'd use my nose to to call because that's the only hand I had. And I remembered her password, but I called 44 times before I got to somebody. And the only reason I was able to get to somebody is my stepdad told me to turn off the Wi-Fi. I had no idea that was a thing. Like that's a very helpful thing if you're out somewhere and you can't get a call through. If you turn your Wi-Fi off, a lot of times you will be able to. So that's knowledge that I want a lot of people to, to know, you know. So I called, I actually listened to the, the audio of the call earlier today. And that was hard to hear, but I've like listened to everything I could listen to and watched everything I could watch because I don't want to have like something in the back of my mind. Like, I don't know. I don't want to have questions. I want answers. So as hard as it is to listen and see certain things, like it kind of helps at the same time. So to paint the picture for everyone that's hearing this story for the first time, can you, I, I know you mentioned the names, but can you specify who's who and who you lost during this tornado? So my son, Bryson, he survived. My daughter, Kinley, did not. My son, Owen, did not. My husband, Mike, didn't. And my mom also didn't. My stepbrother, Seth, made it. And my stepdad, Raymond, did. Okay, thank you for being willing to talk about this and open this up. I'm, I'm, it's this is obviously a, a heavy subject and a heavy story that only happened a couple of years ago, right? It was 2022. It'll be two years on March 5th. Yeah. So what what is it to you to discuss this openly and share this story before we get into any more details? Because you mentioned how you know listening to the phone call that you made, as graphic as it may be. It did something to you. So what does it mean to you to share this story and and reopen this story that, of course, I'm sure still opens some wounds? I just think it's so important to talk about your feelings, but also just talk about those hard things because holding them in, like, it's not good for you. And getting them out is hard to do, but there's just some sort of like sense of relief when you can get it out and share it and not keep it in and just let it like fester in your brain with, you know, all the feelings like getting it out to certain people, especially like a lot of times people have certain things to say about it. that kind of help you with like a more positive perspective or just sharing that pain. Like they'll share the pain with you. So you don't have to carry it all yourself. Mm. I love that. So, so you lost your, you lost your partner, two kids and your mom in one event. And then when you mentioned you know, getting help and finding the, some sort of positive perspective. What is that positive perspective two years later? So I haven't shared this, but for like the first year and a half, I relied heavily on people to make me happy and drinking. 
And then I was, cause I was just mad. Like I was just, I was just angry. And then I realized like my son's watching me and I don't want him growing up thinking that those are the types of things that you need to be relying on when you're going through a tough time. Like, so I've completely changed my lifestyle and, um, I exercise a lot. That is like huge. That's like, that's my medicine. Cause they tried to put me on medicine and everything just made me feel not myself at all. And I couldn't feel those hard feelings, happy feelings. Like I just didn't feel anything. So I'd rather feel those hard feelings and deal with them by talking to people and, and exercising and then just having faith again. Cause if I didn't believe that I would get to see them again, I don't know if I'd see a point. I don't know. Um, so I'd say my perspective on it now is just like, I'm able to help people now that are going through hard things. So in regards to your faith that you have, that you believe you're going to see him again, did this experience of losing, you know, almost your whole family diminish your faith? Because it seemed like you kept your faith in believing, you know, what happens after we pass and seeing the loved ones that we lose. But what mm-hmm. did that do to your, to your faith in regards to, I guess, just beliefs, but also just the way you live your life? Like, was there... Was there a level of anger and misunderstanding in regards to why would this happen to you? Definitely. Like there was a lot of anger and I, I'm still working on it. I still get angry sometimes, but I believe that there is like beauty in trauma and the way that we can then go about our lives, helping others and just spreading love and I don't know, trying to make peace with certain people and I don't know, just Showing them like, hey, this sucks. This was really fucking hard, but I'm going to keep going so you can too. So, I mean, that's part of you sharing your story, right? Is to express that with people that are going through it right now. Yeah. And a lot of people are like, well, I can't compare. I don't compare though. Like, because something that I've gone through, that's my hard. And then something that somebody else has gone through, that's their hard. Like, they don't have to be the exact same thing. You still have the same feelings. That's a good point. I was I literally just talking to someone about that because, you know, when you look at things on paper, like you losing two kids, your partner and your mom in one event on paper, it's hard to even fathom what is worse than that. But then mm-hmm. what you just said in regards to, you know, you don't want to compare people's traumas and experiences, but when experience like your story as traumatic as it is hard not to in the back of your mind think, Oh my God, but look what she's gone through. But it's mm-hmm. amazing that you, you can even say that in regards to what you've gone through and, you know, not allow other people to feel bad because maybe their event or traumatic event doesn't seem as hard. But like I've always said, it's the hardest thing you've gone through is the hardest thing you've ever gone through. And we do share those baseline emotions. So you can't even, it, it is sometimes a difficult thing to say, you know, I, that person mm-hmm. went through this. So I shouldn't feel this because compared to this, it's like, it's a dangerous place to go. Right. It is like, you you just can't compare, but you can help each other out and be there for people for their hard, the hardest thing they've gone through. So you have, you have a surviving son who you said he's, I'm sorry, 10 now. Yeah. He's 10 now. He's 10 now. That's amazing. And he was eight at the time. So what is that? What is his perspective right now? What's going on with an eight-year-old that just lost siblings, grandmother, and a father? Mm. I mean, it's different every moment. Um, I think a lot of his sadness comes out more in like anger. So we just work a lot on like 
saying how we're feeling, you know, what we were thinking about before, what we were doing before. Um, I'd say the most that he cries is um, about not having his siblings anymore. He just, the other day he was saying like, can we find me some friends that are my siblings ages or that were their ages? Because he just like misses that bond. Is it something you guys openly talk about continually? Yeah, we talk about it daily. Um, I just think it's important for him to realize like, hey, you're feeling something, let's talk about it instead of let's keep so busy that we don't have time to talk about our feelings. Is there anything that, is there anything that you've noticed that works best for you know dealing with, obviously every story and dynamic is different, so I'm not saying what you do might work for everyone, but maybe there's something to learn. So what is the what is the thing that has worked the most or seemingly worked the most in regards to getting your son through such heavy loss like this? Is it just talking to him or is there any specific questions or techniques that you found that work best? So what has worked best for us is, I mean, it's hard to miss everybody all at once all the time. So if there's like a specific person we're missing at at a given moment, we will do something together that we liked doing with them or that they liked doing. And that seems, I mean, at least at his age right now, that seems to help a lot. What about for you? I know you mentioned working out and talking about it, but is there a similar practice that works for you? Or is, is, do you feel the working out is a, is a tactic that works for you for longevity as opposed to just in the moment of a release? Yeah, I think um, working out specifically like lifting weights helps just to feel better. I don't know if I'm having a really rough time, I'll just do something active and then like, I'll stop thinking about it, do something active and then give myself permission to think about it again, because then my head's just in a better place to deal with it. But I've also found a lot of, um, comfort and just talking to other people. Do you feel you've fully accepted this? Oh, I mean, I know it is what it is and I can't change it. Um, there's parts of me that are still extremely angry that it happened, but I don't know. Mike always said like, you can deal with things in two different ways. Like you can be pissed off about it and have a bad attitude or you can have a good attitude, find a positive in it and keep going because life's a lot better that way. So I don't know. I found a lot of strength in my husband and my mom. And for some reason, like, I just feel like my mom, I don't know if I just grieve her differently. Um, it almost feels like she's still here. It's just a different feeling. Like, I, I don't know how to describe it. If you had to try, what, what does that mean? I mean, I, I get what you're saying, but how would you, like, you just, you feel more comforted when it comes to thinking about her in regards to grieving? Yeah. Like, it doesn't seem like she's as far away as the others. Interesting. Have you felt that before? Obviously, this is a different experience, but is this some kind of spiritual experience that you feel you can, you've believed in or had in the past? No, like, cause I didn't feel that way about my dad. Like, my mom was really big and always talking about my dad and sharing stories and listening to music he liked. And when I was dealing with, I had like postpartum depression, I guess they called it. I think it was just my hormones were all jacked up after I had my daughter. So I was feeling really sad and my mom would come stay and she'd turn on music and we'd dance and she would just, I don't know, find happy things for us to do. And so 
it was a hard time. Like that was a hard time for that time in my life. And so just seeing like what she did to help comfort me in those times, I try and do those things now. I love that. A conversation like this just always, you know, makes me think even more because again, I, the, these, I'm not comparing what I went through or anyone else went through. And, you know, there's tragedy all over the, all over the world every time, but just, it's hard not to ponder these things. And I understand the level of acceptance, but to not ask why is a very difficult thing to do. And it's also a, a deep rabbit hole to even go down that. But is that even like when you, when you are looking at it in a positive way, and you're trying to find the beauty and the chaos and the beauty and loss in some capacity and have that positive perspective. Do you try to justify or do you try to come up with a why, whether it has a, re- a religious meaning or a spiritual meaning? Because you're, if you had to fantasize about why something so tragic would happen so young in your life and take everyone all at once, what is that? What is that positivity? I know I asked that earlier, but what is that? Is there an overarching message or something that you take from this or it's just fucking life? I mean, I've always just kind of had to take life how it comes and deal with it as it happens. And like, I don't know, more recently, like right after everything, I was terrified to do anything, like everything in life. I was like, nope, I could die doing that or Bryson could get hurt. I don't want to do that. Like, but then you're not like living life and like, we still have a life to live and I try and like swap positions with Mike every now and then and be like, if you were in my spot and I was in your spot, I would be so pissed off if you just moped around and obviously be sad. That's good. Like let your feelings out, but enjoy life, find happiness. And I don't know, show others that they too can be strong and get through hard things and rely on other people. Like I had a hard time also accepting help for certain things. And then when I finally did accept help or I had no choice but to accept help, I saw it helping the person that was helping me. So it's almost selfish to not let somebody help you, I feel like. How do you feel like it helped the other person that's helping you? I mean, when you help somebody, doesn't it feel good? For sure. So... I don't know. That's just what I was like. That makes sense. If somebody told me, no, don't help me, I'd be like, okay. (laughs) But but when they accept my help and I get to help them, like it just, I don't know, brings you joy. That's a good point. That's a good point. And so two years later, what do you, what do you notice the most about your involvement in regards to, you know, maybe the first year to the second year that we're approaching the anniversary? What do you, what have you seen as the most improvement and what do you see that you feel you still have to, you know, massage out? Um, I would say the biggest improvement would be being able to focus on myself and Bryson solely and being happy with being, I mean, we're not alone. We have each other, but being alone with just us too. I'm happy that I've chosen that because I'm learning a lot more about myself and I feel like I'm healing more. Yeah. Oh man. Yeah. And what is your opinion on when it, I mean, this is only, this hasn't been that long, but I've had this conversation with other people that have lost partners mm-hmm. and the timeline is different for everyone, but what's your perspective on, you know, f- considering other love or finding other love in this lifetime? Is that something that you think you're open-minded to, or is, is there a timeline on that in regards to when you think is right, or you just go with how you feel for the question to other widows? So I have dated, didn't go great. <laughs> I just, I wasn't ready. 
I wasn't ready at all, but you don't know unless you try. Um, and so then I was like, you know, maybe I'll try again. And then I started focusing on myself and I was like, no, this, I feel happy. Like, of course, if somebody comes along and the time is right for Bryson and I, because it's not just about me, it's about him first, you know? So, um, if something like that were to come along, I would be open to it, but I'm happy being just me right now. Amen, sister. I love that. I mean, I think regardless of the situation, I think that's step number one, no matter what, whether you're going through grief and trying to figure something else out or we're just doing our thing, I think we all got to be happy with ourselves first. And that's the thing I feel like we neglect the most. Sometimes I feel like this, is, this isn't a dating show or anything, of course, but I feel like there is this external focus on everything as opposed to just you know, water in our own grass and then, you know, the right farmer will come along is for lack of better analogy. Uh, I don't know why the hell I just said that, <laughs> but you know what I mean? I don't, I don't know what the yeah. heck I'm, I'm sorry for everyone that just had to listen to me use. I just kind of improv there, but uh, no, I think it's an important discussion because I, I had another uh, young girl on my podcast that lost her partner and, you know, it was, there is a stigma in regards to when that process could or should start. And there's no could or should. It's just what feels right in the timing that makes sense for you. I think there's, there is a societal stigma and, oh my God, she's dating now. He's dating now. He found someone that's just, I, I, I don't know. I, I don't think there's, there's no rules to that. It's just when I think people have their timing and their process, you just got to trust yourself on what feels right and what you need to do. And it sounds like yep. you're doing that. It sounds like you're trusting yourself. Yeah. I think it's definitely important to do what works for you and not listen to other people because like your support will be your support for whatever you choose. And those are your people. Well, what would you say to people that are grieving right now or are going through it right now and, you know, are right in the beginning phases? Like, is there any words of advice or either even maybe sort of summarizing what we've already discussed today in regards to how they can focus on getting through where they're at right now when they're in the heat of the battle? Oh, I would say if I could talk to myself back then to focus on yourself, find the things that make you happy and maybe they're just like a temporary happy, but then from there, find the next thing that makes you happy. Like just keep searching for happiness and talk about it. Like talking about it was the biggest thing. I remember, I don't know what day it was, like the whole hospital stay kind of all meshes together, but I want to say it was one of the first couple of days I explained to somebody what I saw and it scared me that I had to see that because it made me think a lot of dark things. So just talking about it right away, like if something is on your mind, find somebody to talk to, like there will be people who will listen to you and maybe they don't say anything back. But just saying it out loud, I promise it helps. Like, It really does. I mean, that's why we're here right now. There's the whole freaking point of it. So I appreciate being willing to share this because this is, this is it's, it's unbelievable with the lack of a better terms. But just to, to preface or to follow up on what you just said and what you saw, you're talking about the aftermath of the tornado and like literally the, the visuals. Is that what you mean? The visuals of seeing um, especially Owen. Is that is that a whole nother processing in regards to because you, you were – you know, the aftermath of the tornado and seeing your family there, is that a whole nother process of grief or overcoming the trauma? Or do you feel like it's bundled into, you know, just the grief of losing someone or are those two different things? 
I feel like losing him has different feelings than seeing um, his face and seeing bubbles come out of his nose and like knowing that he was gone. I think that's more of like trauma than than grief. Yeah, and that's a whole other process of working it out. And that's once again, there's a that's part of the what we were discussing. I, I don't even I forget if we were even started the episode at this point, but the layers of it all. You know what I mean? Like I feel like when you think of grief and when you lose someone, it's like okay, you lost that person, but then there's the relationship you have with the individual person. It's you know, in your case, multiple different relationships. It's the aftermath, the logistics of handling everything, continuing to raise the surviving son, and then the traumatic event of just seeing you know, the aftermath and seeing your loved ones there, let alone just the process of losing the routine of your family. So mm -hmm. it's, 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 it's beautiful to me that you're able to talk about this. You're able to, you know, be a voice in many capacity for someone else that might be going through something like this and, and show the progress that you've made in two years. So I just want to commend you and send love in regards to the processes and the growth that you've made just only two years later. Um, you know, it's, I think it's tremendously inspiring and your comfort level to speak about this is significant. Thank you. So I really appreciate you taking the time to talk to us and share with my audience and, uh, and your audience as of now. So uh, if there's anything, uh, last words, as we say, for a horrible transition before we get out of here, uh, feel free to say anything or just tell me to shut up at this point. But uh, I feel like I want to give the mic to you. <laughs> no, I just say um, always be kind to people because you literally never know what they have been through, what they're going through, how they're feeling and you can totally change somebody's whole day or whole perspective just by being there and being kind. And like, I, I know people say that all the time, but it's, it's so important and spreading love. I don't know. I've had random strangers say, I don't know you, but I love you. And I'll say, I love you back because maybe they don't get that, you know, from anybody else. That's so important. Literally what you just said right there, maybe they don't get that from someone else. And, you, and for someone who, you know, maybe in a situation of blessed to have that love and companionship and camaraderie with people, it, it, I do think about that often and how blessed I am to have that around me. And then when I think of other people that just don't have that, that's a whole other dynamic of how, I don't know how people get through certain things because I've, I contributed to so much of the support I've had and mm -hmm. to not have that, I don't know. I and mean, that's what I hope, you know, your voice and people's voice that I spoke to can contribute to that for people that do feel alone and don't have that. So you can be in the way you live your life every day, walking through freaking Kmart and just say this, like today I went to Trader Joe's and you know, I saw the security guy, I just like walked up to him, like pounded him and, and said, good to see you. And then I never met him. And I, I don't know what drove me to, like, I try to do those little things, but those little yes. details, you, you just don't know. I mean, maybe he washed his hands after and was grossed out that I touched his fist. I don't know, but I think it was a nice thing. And I feel like and I feel like, you know, those little things add up. And if we all did that, even though it seems so small, it's like if everyone just did that once in a while and just, it, it adds up, like that literally, those things change the world as silly as that sounds. No, they do. They really do. And also, like, I feel like a lot of people have, like, feel sorry for me. And like, obviously, if it were somebody else, I'd feel sorry for them. But I was blessed to have three beautiful, healthy children and a husband and just like, a beautiful life. And some people never get that. Or some people are dealing with struggles in the relationship or with their kids. Like I had the most beautiful family and life. And I got to experience that even if just for a short period of time, like, but it, I don't know. I feel blessed in that way. Well, I hope you realize how powerful it is to even have that perspective after what you've went through. And it's real. You know what I mean? Cause that's, uh, yes. it's, 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 it's harder 
to have, even though I think, you know, that is the way to go. It is much harder to have the perspective that you have than the other way. Cause it's so much easier to go the other way. So, you know, just, just keep that shit up for real. And uh, I want to thank you again for being willing to share your story and uh, everyone that's listening. Uh, I hope you guys enjoyed this episode. I, and if you learned anything, which I know you did, please uh, chime in, in the comment section, all that stuff. And uh, until next time, another episode of Dead Talks. Thank you, Curry. I really appreciate you. Thank you, David.